1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host Nathalie Bromley. We are back after a short break away from producing the podcast and your regular content. It's been a tough period for Clarets fans at the moment. Not that we're ungrateful, we're playing football in the Premier League against some of the best players in the world, but it's been challenging um, watching our beloved Clarets get beat time after time and Just not really be in games. Um, This is a very different Premier League experience to the one we've been waiting for. Nonetheless, we're back. We are back in the chair. We are going to have a look at um, what's been going on. David Claret's going to look ahead to that Palace game. I'm joined this week by regular statistician Dave Roberts and our regular panellist Tom Whitaker, who are going to give us their thoughts on what's going on at Burnley and how we can get ourselves back into this season. Thanks for staying with us, Clarence. Thanks for affording us a little bit of a break. We are back with your usual podcast. Let's go. Okay, so let's jump straight in here and let's make a start. We are getting back on the horse. We are trying to get ourselves some enthusiasm and momentum going to get behind the boys. No flags on this week's podcast, I'm afraid. Just us three, and we're going to try and see where we get to. Uh, Tom, Dave, welcome both of you, um, our esteemed guests as ever. Uh, We've got loads to talk about tonight, so I'm going to dive straight in there. No time for small talk or introductions. We know who you are. Um, Let's start with you, Tom. I know you and I are struggling to get ourselves a little bit motivated at the moment. Um, You literally only need to spend two or three minutes on Burnley's Twitter. It all feels a little bit down in the dumps at the moment, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I feel a bit guilty because I've been, like, this for a few weeks now and every week I've been coming onto the podcast talking about <laughs> how down I am and how rubbish we are, so I'm worried it's me that's, uh, that's spreading that amongst the, uh, amongst the listeners. Yeah, let's just Besides that, or it's them. the fact that we get beat every week. Yeah, it's one of the two, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, why, why does this feel different? And I think I'm going to kick this off. Those of you who don't follow me on Twitter won't have seen this, but for those of you who do will have seen this, I, I've just, I've taken a couple of weeks off, which, I, and listeners, apologies, this is why I've not been putting any content out there because I've just been struggling to connect this season. I've been struggling. I feel really disengaged from the club, from the team, from the, even the manager, I don't feel that connection with that I did last season. And I, I can't put my finger on what's going on. And Tom, we've been here before. We've been in relegation fights pretty much every single season, apart from the European season, um, the, the way we we've got into Europe. And I, it this I've never felt like this before, not in a, a Premier League season, and I can't quite put my finger on what's going on.
2: Yeah, it's a few things I think. Um, there's I think the expectation is a lot different to what it was kind of the times previously we've been here because of the amount of money we spent in the summer, because of how good we were last year, because of the fact we've had till and we, we knew we were going up in January, so we had all that time to prepare mm-hmm. for the Premier League season, I think. We all expected to be not not as far behind the rest of the league as we are. I think that's definitely part of it especially with the money spent and, and the way we played last year. Um, I think as well it's the turnover. Um, you know in years previous we've had such a solid basic players we've had the same manager for a long long time. you knew what you were getting from these people. you knew that they were the kind of people who put in you know put in the maximum effort as Sean Dice liked to say the minimum requirement was maximum effort every week. You know, it wasn't always pretty to watch, um, but we were always in games. It's very rare that we would go into a game and lose three four nil, especially at home, and it'd be even rarer that we'd do that back to back. Um, mm. and these are all obviously things that change the season. It's not just that we lose most weeks, it's that we don't compete very often. Yeah. Um, anyone who's kind of a mid table or above doesn't just beat us, they absolutely wipe the white floor with us. It's very hard to get into games when you. you, you so easily get knocked out of them so quickly. And a lot of the players, you know, that we've, last season there was there was sort of 15, 16 new players, but they were part of a winning team. You got to see the majority of them play every week, and yeah. um, quite a settled side. Whereas this year we've brought in, you know, another lot of 15, 16, and a lot of them only play, you know, they play for a week or two and then they're out again, especially the attacking players. company doesn't seem to know which which ones are the best. It doesn't seem to have got any closer to that. Um, so it's hard to make a connection with these players as well. You know, Odebit, uh not Adibit. Sorry, Kalyosha. Is, the fact that I can't tell them apart probably does not help. But Kalyosha has got his chance. You know, he's he's a popular player, and then you know, it's, all of a sudden you you barely see him again. And yeah, there's there's a real disconnect I think on and off the pitch because it's just so much change and it's just a completely different club for, from what we were used to. And obviously last season while we were winning and and everything was was rosy, it was fine. But uh, this season. I think they have a lot less kind of credit in the bank with the fans than than Sean Dyche and some of the players who got us into into Europe and campaigns like that Yeah,
1: I mean, I I get that. Um, I'm not entirely sure Dyche had as much stock towards the end as as maybe um, everybody thinks he had. I think towards the end of his regime, there was a lot of rank, rank football being played. So I'm not necessarily looking back on that period with either rose-tinted glasses or... You know, with a with a sense of, oh, that was terrible. Either you know, I I I it was what it was. Was that that era, and it's gone now. And it's, you know, last season, Everton fans were saying the same thing about Dash as we were. So you know, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned with that difference. But Dave T- Tom mentioned this before, and we, we it's talking about the money that's being spent now. One of the problems with that, as a a concern, is that actually a, a hundred particularly the cost of living has, has always been been massive, but it's, it has affected the, the Premier League as well, albeit at a very different scale. And it's all very well saying, well, we've spent 100 million, like our expectations are massive. 100 million now buys you a squad that's barely capable of surviving in the Premier League. That's a that's massive amount of money for us, but it's it's not in terms of buying those quality players. Um, So, I wonder whether our expectations should have been different, not necessarily with the money that was spent, but with the nature of the players that were brought in. This is where I'm going with this. We keep hearing now over the last couple of games from Vincent Kompany saying that the problem is, is that we were promoted too soon. Like they had a three-year plan and they were building a squad, a very young squad that was going to come into its peak around for Premier League charge and have a really good go at it. Didn't expect to do what they did in the championship last season didn't expect to walk it, they've promoted two years ahead of schedule and this team simply is too young, too inexperienced and not ready. Absolutely fine. I have no problem with that. Why then did we not change that plan in the summer when we did get promoted ahead of schedule and buy differently? Would that have made a difference, do you think?
3: Um, possibly, yes. I think the, the, there is, the there's the amount of money for a start. We've, we've mentioned that. And from, from a Burnley perspective, that is a lot. In the Premier League, it isn't really. I mean, it's no. it's one of those where you've got to try and get to that level. And and we've seen that you know you need to spend money to do that. You could argue that has that money been spent in the best way? We had a lone players last season who we did try to to get at least some of them. Um some of the others that we didn't get, just pushing the boat out a little bit further to get them and get a spine of a team mm. might have helped. A little bit, I think that might be... Maybe you talk about trying to do too much too soon. Perhaps we've tried to do too much too soon in the transfer market, trying to bring in players. We know the profile of the players is the right thing to do. Younger players, ones that have got more potential going forward. But you've got to gel them into a team. It it works better, does that process, I think, when you've got a, a spine of a team that they can then slot into, particularly... Uh, Wingers, let's say, if you've got a, a stronger spine of the team and survive in the division and then those players then go on to become hopefully a lot a, well a lot better than they were and also more valuable as well. so from a, a salability point of view, I think we've tried to do maybe too much from a salability point of view all at the same time and we kind of left a little bit in limbo in terms of having a lot of this type of player but maybe not enough types of other players around them to yeah. help them gel, if, if that makes sense.
1: it makes, That makes perfect sense. That's really good. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling, Dave. And I think you're absolutely right. And again, it's going back to that resistance to deviate from the, the predetermined plan. It's like, well, something happened. So why didn't we vary that? Um picking up on, on one of those really good points there, Tom, is about the saleability and obviously the plan to cultivate assets that will help us thrive as a club and keep developing. There's a problem with what Dave's explained there about having too many of those and, and getting the balance wrong in that you you're then leaving those players exposed in terms of their own development but also exposed in terms of their value, and one player that I'm absolutely thinking of when I talk about this is, of course, James Trafford. Come, came to us with a very hefty fee, touted as being um, Pickford's replacement as England number one. Came on the back of a fantastic European um, Championship for the under twenty ones. Um, is being absolutely pelted week after week. The poor lad must just be feeling. He must know that that the fans are calling for him to be dropped and put Muric in place. Um, But also it's while it's happening, for his own benefit, he needs to be dropped, I think, and just protected. He's very, very young, he's very inexperienced. So that, to me, is something that I think we need to be really alive to as a club, that are we actually having a detrimental effect on these assets that we're supposed to be cultivating for value by leaving them so exposed and so vulnerable to this unforgiving league?
2: Yeah, it's as Dave said, it's too too many in the team that are young, you know, development players, and there's not enough experience alongside them to help them. You see it, Trafford, as you say, is a great example. He's clearly not ready yet to play in this league, and yet the manager doesn't seem to want to take him out for whatever reason. I think probably the answer to that is he spent a lot of money on him, and he, he either doesn't want to admit that that money's probably not been spent very well, or there's someone else telling him we spent this amount of money on him, you've got to play him. It's yeah. probably one of those two things, and both of those are worrying. Uh, it creates massive problems because, as you say, the model at the minute is buy these players in, develop them and sell them on. If they're not developing, or mm-hmm. if they're <laughs> played badly all season and we get relegated, they're not appreciating in value, then you get relegated. And the idea is last time you know we went down is we, we had players to make money on to funds going straight back up. Now you look at what Leeds did, it's kind of similar. They bought all these young players who didn't appreciate in value at all. They couldn't sell them on. So what they've ended up having to do is loan them all out for a year in the hope that they'll develop and then they'll come back up and they can play again in the prem. Now, where are we going to get transfer funds from if, you know, no one's going to buy Amduni for the money we paid for him. If he plays once in every three games and he doesn't make any impact in the time that he does that, no one's going to pay £19 million for James Trafford if we go down, because at the minute, he doesn't look like he's worth anything like what we paid for him. So it creates an issue there if we get relegated and that it's going to be difficult for us to recoup the money we've spent on some of these players. I mean, there's probably Foster and Colio Osho that are going to be worth more than we paid for them, I think, at the end of the season. And so far, it does not look like anybody else will be. Um, Josh, not be. Josh Cullen might
1: be. Josh Cullen might be. Well, he's then, comes, so, yeah, yeah,
2: perhaps we didn't pay a lot of money for him, did we? But then he's not looking very—he's not looking like a Premier League player. And I think again, well, he's solution.
1: massively exposed in that midfield, though. He's having to run that midfield in the middle by himself. Um, yeah. You know, Sander Burr should not be playing alongside him as a defensive midfielder. That's not what his role is. He should be further forward. Um, Brownhill's still in that weird position of being far too good for the Championship, but just not quite there for the Premier League. He's a perpetual in betweener. Um, and we didn't invest in another strong central midfielder with experience that could have really helped Josh Cullen there. There's some really, you're right. There's some really key places we didn't get the experience that we needed.
2: Mm. And there's so many. You know, you look at some of the wingers we've got. I mean, Matt Trezor, He's probably. I haven't seen him. I think there's at least four wingers at the club that are better than him. Yeah. Uh, I'm told that he in Belgium he either played out on the left or through the middle, and yet yeah, companies played him on the right every time. He's another player that we're not going to make our money back on him. He's blocking the development for better players that are forced to sit on the bench because, again, like Trafford companies have to justify the fact that he's paid all this money for this guy. And um and like you say, that money, especially when, at the time we bought him on deadline day, you know, we've already got seven, eight players in that position. That money could have been spent on, like you say, a sitting a go, cutler, or A left back. Or a left back, yeah. Or a right <laughs> back. Or a, a striker to play if Foster's not. You know, there's all these Glaring holes yeah. in the squad, and I mean that the transfer window is done now, and we can't do anything about that. Well, we it's January. Tactics and things like that. There is January, yeah, of course, and we're going to have to spend some money in January. But the way that it was spent in the summer, would you trust the people who, whether that was company or whether that was the board? I think it's probably company that's made these signs. Would you trust him again with a war chest in January? Personally, I wouldn't be giving him any more money because he hasn't spent what he's been given wisely. I'd be looking at, and this is probably a topic for another time, but. If he is still the manager in January, I'd be looking at bringing someone above him to do the transfer the director of football. Yeah. Something like that because He can't be doing them on his own because he's, I think he's shown with the best one in the world that he can't be trusted for the money.
1: Slight kid in sweet shop analogy, maybe a little bit. Um, Dave, do you know what? Tom ripped that band-aid off. I wasn't going to go to him with this because I knew what the answer was going to be. So I was going to play it safe and go to Dave, who is much more diplomatic. How are you feeling about Vincent Company right now? I know how I feel, but I'll see how you
3: feel. I, I, I think it's still very early days, Premier League. We're, we're only uh, 10 matches in. There is still a long, long we way to so go. There's
1: so much more.
3: <laughs> yeah, a long, long way to go. Um, but I think that in terms of the players he's brought in, they are very in his mould and the way that he wants yeah. to play. And I'm not convinced... A knee-jerk to bring another manager in is going to be beneficial. You look at perhaps examples of other teams who've been in a similar position. I'm thinking of Norwich City here in terms of um, Daniel Farker there. He he had his way, he wanted to play at Norwich. They ditched him relatively quickly after they have been promoted again. And then they've kind of just taken a step back, haven't they? They've they've really struggled. So They're struggling again this sure season wanted... as well. Mm. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I think I think where I'm, and I will give you a chance, Tom. Don't worry. I know that you want to have your piece with this, so don't worry. I'm not going to completely ghost you with this topic. I like to be fair and balanced. So, um, I I'm with, I'm siding very much with Dave on this one. Um, I was quite realistic when it came to what I expected of Vincent Company in the Premier League. As inexperienced as this side are, as inexperienced as the board is, the board only came in a few months before we got relegated, don't forget. Um I still am prepared to allow, you know, if we get relegated this season, absolutely fine. It's his first season in the Premier League. He doesn't know how to to manage in it yet. He will make mistakes as well. He is making mistakes and we're seeing that. I do still believe in him as a manager and I'd like him to grow with us. Um, and I I very much share Dave's as I think it would be very unsettling and I'm not entirely sure. People talking about bringing Wilder in instead of, I'm like, no, absolutely not. I like the direction off the pitch and in terms of a modern take that we're going with this board and with company. If that takes time to gel and we do need this three-year plan, we need to drop back down to the championship and have three seasons in the championship, I am prepared for that to happen but I do have some reservations about lessons being learnt this season. I don't want to waste this opportunity, then. That's my problem. Yes, if we have to go back down and try again, I'm prepared for that to happen, but let's not just wave the white flag now. If there are proactive things that we can do and mistakes that we can rectify, we should do them.
3: You're not allowed to have a white flag.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Unless it's been bought from the club shop at a price of £15 and is authorised, then I'm allowed the white flag. Um, Tom... Over to you, Vincent. Company. I know you are annoyed, so have a platform, get it off your chest, sir.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just can't quite. I could talk for an hour about this. I won't go on about okay. it. You've got but
1: like three minutes. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. I'm in the. I am in the company out. Bam now. Reluctantly, I, I'm not. I, you know, I, not anything personal. I do think he's an intelligent bloke, and he'll have a good career. But it's the stubbornness to me. I think. I disagree actually with, a bit with what Dave said. He said that the squad's been built to play the company way, and I, I really think a lot of the problem is that some of the signings haven't been. You look at Trafford, he can't play out from the back with his feet. That's you true. look at O'Shea, he can't play out from the back with his feet. Oh, he's uh, Taylor can't, and yet he's having to play. Roberts not in, not a Premier League level, but he's having to play. To me, I think we we um, I think if we keep company, he isn't going to change what he's doing, and we're going to get relegated with the win. But I think that the squad we've got. Apart from the middle midfield, and that's what we'd really need to rectify in January, maybe another centre half. I think that if you got a, a manager who's more pragmatic and more open to playing defensively, you could a back five of Trafford, Taylor, uh, Bayer, O'Shea, and Robert would be solid in the Premier League. I'm not saying it pull up any trees, but I think if if you give a more defensively minded manager that back five and just say, let's play a bit deeper and let's just, you know, play in a more I don't want to say a Sean Dyche way, but let's play in a, in a more oh, defensively. No, league.
1: let's not go back I, there, think, Tom.
2: <laughs> I think we could pick up some points there in that. We've got ability going forward. A lot of the problem is at the minute, because we play such a mind mean slow sideways passing game, the, the players in, in the final third don't get the ball. They're no. not asked to do any defensive work. They're not asked to do any tracking back. So a lot of them are just passengers. And we've got three or four luxury players who do nothing off the ball. And if we had someone who would coach them to work off the ball, you know, get up and down. Like Zarouri last last season, he was up and down the touchline. You could get him to to, to work hard. Good Munson on the other side would do it as well. So, for me, a solid solid back five. And I think you could make a solid back five out of those players. Wingers who are prepared to, to run a bit more and track back. Foster, you know, speaks for himself. He's really good and he will work hard and, and, and do yeah. well there. The problem would be the midfield. Um, and I, as much as I like Amduni, he is a passenger at the minute. I think it would have to be Burge in his position. And then you do have the problem with Cullen and Brownhill. I don't think he's a great midfield. But I think if we set up like that until January, um, then bring a couple in in the middle of midfield, maybe a more commanding experience centre-half as well to replace O'Shea potentially or a better full-back maybe, then I think we could stay up this season. And and to me, it's like, why would you sacrifice that opportunity? Because mm. because you love Vincent Kompany, you know. I think I think he's he, he's made that many mistakes this season that he's he's brought it on himself, really. And it, you know, if company was to do that on Saturday, if he was to to say, look, what I'm doing isn't working, I'm going to pick this back five and I'm going to play more defensively, and we're going to see if we can just get a nil-nil or scrape or one-nil against Palace and, and get a base and go from there, then fine, you know, I'd be happy to give him the, the season doing that, but I think we all know he won't. I think we know he'll play Trafford. I think we'll know we'll be watching Alderkeel pass sideways to O'Shea very slowly until a Palace player comes and takes it off them and they score and then score again and score again and we lose Torino just like we constantly do. Yeah. And company will come out and say, look, we're learning, we're learning. We aren't learning. We're getting worse. We're not.
1: Yeah, we're not.
2: <laughs> yeah. And like I say, I'd love, him, I'd love him to change. I'd love him to admit that what he's doing isn't working. I'd love him to, to change change some of the personnel but I don't think you will and for that reason I, I think it's time to say, look, it's it was brilliant last season and you know, you've you're doing your best, but it's not working. And and like I say, I do think that if we were to do that and get a more pragmatic manager in, we would have a chance. Um, especially with Bournemouth kind of being a similar mould to yeah. us and that they haven't got that pragmatism. I think we could finish I think regardless we probably will finish above Sheffield United and looting, even for kids.
1: We've cool. only
2: got to be better than Bournemouth or potentially Everton if they have 12 points or even Forrester on the side. You know? I think yeah. we have got to do that, especially if we give someone else the opportunity to add two or three in January. Um, So that's my that's my two points. I, mean, I can understand people who are like, I'm happy to go down with company. As I said, I don't think it'd be easy to come back because there's a lot of these players who don't want to be here anyway from the look to them. They're certainly not going to want to be here in the Championship. But when they leave next season, it's not going to be for keeping the money. You know, we're not going to get the money back for Amdouni. We're not going to get the money back for Trezor, but they're not going to play in the Championship. So how do you square that circle and how do you build a squad in the Championship for Dugadan? That's a worry of mine, as well as the fact that I have to pay and watch this terrible football for the rest of the season. (laughs)
1: That's quite painful.
2: Part of it is is an emotional reaction on my part as well. And when I speak to people who don't go to games, they say, look, look at what you did last season. Isn't it worth giving him another year? And I can understand that viewpoint. And like I say, I, it's, it's two-pronged for me. Partly, I do think that we could improve and we could stay up with a different manager. But similar to what um, Bournemouth did last season when the Sacks got Parker and got Gary O'Neill in. You know, Parker was going, oh, I can't get anything out of this player. They looked dreadful. Then they got a pragmatic manager in and, and they stayed up. So I, I think there's a blueprint there. But also, as I say, an this, it's an emotional <laughs> reaction. It's not a sensible reaction, but... I don't want to watch this rubbish football where we get battered every week. I can't do it for the rest of the season. So that's that's another reason why I want to got my hand up for that.
1: Excellent. Listen, that was, I was expecting that to be way worse. That was a very reasoned and very rational argument. Well, it's also being quite heartfelt, Tom. So you are, I'm glad we enabled you to get that off your chest. Burnley, of course, out of the cup now, uh, painfully humiliating, Defeat away at Everton last night, which was it obviously going to happen. We all knew it. Um, another quite toothless performance, which was quite disappointing. Um, off the back of that, really bad result away at Bournemouth last weekend. The Burnley that we are hoping to know and love for the rest of the season are back in action this weekend against Palace. So we're gonna move on now and have our preview show. No day ever more.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Okay, Dave, before we get on to that then, let us get our listeners A quiz question. It's taking a very familiar... Do you know what? In last week's preview show, which we did a bit of a pre-record because I was away, I made a right hash of your quiz question. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) And then I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then I'd already done the records and sent them to Matt. And when I was doing the answer, I was just like, you know what? That was terrible. So apologies, Dave. Do you want to... Do a much do better job than I do. And <laughs> tell our listeners, sorry, listen. I just run up the stairs halfway through the recording. I feel like I'm out of breath. I've just um, disclosed to all of our listeners how terribly unfit I am. Um, do you want to give our listeners a spectacularly good job of a quiz question and much better than my pitiful effort from last week? Thank you.
3: Right then. Yeah. Out of the 16 players who've represented Burnley and Crystal Palace since the Second World War, None of them have accumulated 50 or more league appearances for both teams. So wow. this week's quick question is going to relate to red cards instead. Uh, this fixture has produced three red cards in matches played at Turf Moor, and all three were shown to Crystal Palace players. Two of the players will be mentioned later in our Want to Forget feature, which was a match from 2003. We want you to give us the name of the other Crystal Palace player to see red at Turf Moor and also what year it took place.
1: And so it doesn't surprise me actually that that was the case because when I read the script for the show, I was like, I'm obviously getting into the routine of learning what the the quiz question will be. And I think I would have struggled to name any players anyway. So uh, red cards we're going with this time. Excellent news. So Crystal Palace, home, Saturday the 4th of November, 3pm, Thankfully, not televised anywhere in the UK. Dave, kick us off, please, with your match results summary.
3: Uh, yeah, here's our summary of past home matches, uh, home league matches against Crystal Palace. Uh, 23 previous league matches at Turf Moor resulted in 11 Burnley wins, seven draws and five defeats. Burnley has scored 35 goals and conceded 29 in these matches. All of the last seven meetings were in the Premier League and prior to that, the only other top-flight meetings between the two teams were a couple of seasons in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Burnley had managed five wins from the nine previous top-flight meetings at Turf Moor, although two of those victories were in the old First Division. It's just three wins from seven in the Premier League era.
1: That doesn't board very well for this weekend, does it? Uh, let's have a look then and see what have you chosen for the first of our new features this season. Then we are going to our one to remember and one to forget. Start us off, please, with one to remember. I think you're going with first.
3: We're going that way around this week, yes. Good. Uh, two of our three most recent home wins were by a 1-0 scoreline. So we're going to pick the other one, which took place almost exactly seven years ago on the 5th of November 2016. Matches against Crystal Palace have been memorable for early goals and this match was no exception as your favourite Natalie, Sam Vokes, put the claret ahead in just the second minute. Johan berg doubled our lead in the 14th minute with a shot that Steve Mandana failed to keep out and it was looking good for the home side until Connor Wickham pulled one back on the hour and then Christian Benteke levelled the score from the spot after Matt Lowton was penalised for handball. This was in the eighty-first minute, but Burnley left it until the fourth minute of stoppage time to find a winner in a breakaway move that was finished off by Ashley Barnes. The Burnley Express treated us to the headline: Barnes's winner was well worth the wait, and it certainly was.
1: Certainly was. Um, want to forget? Then, gosh, you know we're gonna have some seasons coming up in the next few seasons after this. This one, I'm gonna tell you that one, but yeah, which one? Give us some bad news again, Dave. Which is I want to forget.
3: Uh, well, as we mentioned earlier, this one's, uh, this week's one to forget is a match from early August 2003, which saw the visitors reduced to nine men. But this didn't prevent them from coming away from Turf Moor with all three points. Uh, Lee Roach conceded a penalty for a shirt pull on Dougie Friedman, who stepped up to give Palace a six-minute lead from the spot. Uh, within five minutes, Palace were down to ten men, after Wayne Routledge was sent off for a professional foul on Luke Chadwick. The referee originally awarded a penalty, but then changed his mind and awarded a free kick outside the box. But no matter, as Robbie Blake fired home from the free kick to make it 1-1. Blake then turned provider and set up Lee Roach to find the top corner with a shot after 19 minutes to put the Clarets 2-1 up. Despite playing a man short, though, Palace equalised through Dougie Freeman in the 32nd minute, and the same player completed his hat trick with a header to put the visitors 3-2 up after 67 minutes. Shortly afterwards, Palace captain Sean Derry uh, was sent off for a second yellow card, but the nine men of Palace hung on the remaining 20 minutes for an unlikely victory. Ooh,
1: so I hope they don't do that this weekend. Although I don't think that anybody's going to be hanging on this game. Um, well, you know that we don't like to just give you all of the information for our opposition. You know, like we do like to get our opposition fans involved. This we spoke to podcast and YouTube channel. Um, back of the nest which is also part of the talk Sport fan network part of our family there and um, we listened to what they had to say ahead of the
4: game what's going on people it's steve here from back of the nest for a quick preview uh thank you for having me on the channel it should be an exciting game but quickly before i actually talk about the game let's talk, talk about palace and what we've done so far this season and I, i'll be honest going into the game um there, there were a bit of frustrations after the spurs game not because we lost but roy's comments about youngsters who um, in the in pre-game press conference, he, he rectified it and he apologised to the younger players. Uh, there was a frustration uh, with the Newcastle game. He was, he was very poor by our standards. But before, if you exclude the last two games, we've had a very solid start to the season. And the reason why I'm saying that is because of the amount of injuries that we've picked up. We haven't had Elisa play a minute. We've had, at times, nearly a whole team out. Uh, Roy Hodgson missed the Aston Villa game as well. So injuries has been killing us. But despite that, we still picked out some decent results so far this season. So if you take away the Tottenham and the Spurs game, I'll probably probably give it an 8 out of 10 um, start to the season. And I'll be honest, this is going to be a difficult game against Burnley. Um, of course, you lot have been struggling. And you need to pick up results. If I'm a Burnley fan, I'm looking at this game thinking, let's try to get at least a point out of this game or try to win um, as, you know, we're not a top six side and you have to pick up points somewhere. But as Palace fan, I'm looking at this game saying, if we want to be serious this season about finishing in the top 10, then realistically, we should be beating Burnley, whether it's at home or away from home. And the reason why I'm saying that is because you lot have been struggling. Um, I think it's been a frustrating start to the season, but... In a way, I guess you could say it wasn't expected if you're a Bernie fan, but you do have them hiccups along the way. Championship to the Premier League is a different ball game. You've bought new, uh, new plays in. Vincent company hasn't managed in the Premier League, so he's still adjusting to that life. So I guess that's not a massive shock that you lot have been struggling, but it should be an exciting game because whenever we face you mm-hmm. lot, it's always been, there's always been goals. You never really assume it. Bernie versus Palace, You would think it's a boring tie, but it never really is a boring tie. And in terms of the predicted lineup that I'm, that I'm going to go with, if everyone is fit, um, it should be Sam Johnson in goal, Joel Ward at right back alongside Yoki Key and Mark Gay at centre half, with Mitchell at left back. He should be coming back from an injury. The and Lerma as the double pivot. Now, Eze and Elise could feature in this game, but it's not clear yet. Eze apparently has been training for two weeks. So I assume he should be starting in this game. So for that reason, I'm going to put Eze as like the number 10 in front of Dokori and Lerma. Down the left-hand side, most likely it's going to be Jeffrey Schluck. Up front, Edward And down the right-hand side, Jordan you But Elisa, hopefully should be on the bench. And maybe if it's a surprise, he should be starting as well. In terms of my score prediction, I'm going to have to go for a 1-0 Palace win. I don't think there'll be that many goals. I think we'll be solid defensively. I know you've had a few problems, you know, with conceding goals so far this season, being very shaky. So hopefully we get that one opportunity. Hopefully we take it. But on the other side of the pitch, we need to be solid, as we were in the first half against Spurs. Defensively, even throughout the game, to be fair, they didn't cause that much trouble until, you know, they conceded, until we conceded a goal and that was more down to tactics rather than defensive errors. But look, that's it for my preview. Thanks for having me on the channel. All the best for the rest of the season, apart from Saturday.
1: Okay, Dave, referee details. Who's the man in the middle?
3: Uh, we've got Peter Banks of Liverpool. He's going to be in charge at Turf Moor this weekend. His eight previous matches as referee, which involved Burnley, have produced three wins for the Clarets, as well as three draws and two defeats. We were unbeaten in the three championship matches he took charge of last season, those being a 1 1 draw against Preston North End at Deepdale, as well as away wins at Queens Park Rangers and Luton Town. Um, I always dread saying this, but he's yet to produce a red card in those previous eight matches, although his <laughs> 21 yellow cards have been fairly evenly split, with 10 shown to Burnley players and 11 to our opponents. Uh, Peter Banks will also be relying on the help of video assistant referee Paul Tierney this Saturday.
1: Good stuff. Tom, do we have any chance of winning on Saturday? How's that for a loaded question to start this section?
2: (laughs) Well, looking at form, you think not. Uh, I do think Roy Hodgson is the kind of manager that will, uh, shall we say, exploit some of the naiveties that Vincent Company has, uh, has shown so far this season. A wily old operator. Uh, I think the biggest <laughs> hope is that he plays Murich instead of Trafford, yes. because I think that would give everyone such a lift. Um, yes. You know, I don't. Th- I think he's the only man in the country who wants to play Trafford over Murich at this stage. Um, but I, I, I remember that that season where we had Joe Hart in next for the first half of the season, and then I can remember um, saw Barry Kilby actually, um, before that, the game against West Ham, and, and even he was saying, "I oh, just think it might be heating back in today." We're all excited about it, and uh, and obviously Heaton was in. The atmosphere around the ground was totally different. He had a great game. He kept a clean sheet, and we won. And I just feel like maybe that's that's the effect we could get with Murich. I know it didn't work on Wednesday, but it's slightly different being away from home and Everton with a full strength team, whereas we're playing. Say we're playing a Ramshackle side. We play a Ramshackle side every week, don't we? But uh, I'd like to think that that's that's the biggest slice of optimism I can give you is that maybe you'll finally see the light and put Murich in. But as I say, as much as I'd love to believe that he'll he'll overhaul what he's doing and change it, I don't think he will. So, if if we're playing the yeah. it, so it, doesn't look good, does it? I
1: think that's my concern about the weekend. My concern is is that it could go one of two ways. He puts Trafford, he puts drops Trafford and puts Mewich back in the net. There is a little bit of a boost. We do score early, or you know, Mewich makes a really great. Um, Nutmegging and just like passes out, and we have a chance. We score something just to lift the crowd, and we have a few flags waved around, and just things just feel a little bit different. And this is this is the first home game against a side that won't finish in the top half of the table, and I think that's really important because that's a test for us, and it's one of those where we should be looking to win these games if we've got any chance of of surviving. On the flip side of that, he doesn't make any changes. He tinkers with the side again. Trafford is in there. There's some kind of howler in the early stages and he we concede really early on. The heads go down. Nobody's bought any flags from the club shop at £15 a pop. So there's just the odd 200 free ones around and the atmosphere will change and the pressure will be on this side and it will be on Vincent Company. And I I fear that we could have a really hostile environment at turf at the weekend. That's that's my concern. Um, Dave, I don't think we've had enough presses or anything yet to know but uh, what are the chances of foster making it back in time this week and i think it was just illness wasn't it rather than an injury and are there any other changes that you would make
3: um i think you're right i think foster assuming is is okay which would hopefully with it just being illness rather than an injury um he'll be back in the side um as you say i don't think anyone knows who our best side is let alone uh vincent company at the moment um, we need to get to a point where we're getting mm-hmm. a, a settled side because, as as Tom said earlier on, just making five or six changes every match and and players not knowing whether they're coming or going isn't helping anyone. So it's a case of trying to get to that settled side and we need to do it reasonably quickly. Um, in, in terms of who, who I think should be in there, um, I, I, well, Connor Roberts is going to be available again, we assume. He's only suspended uh, last week. Um, I'm assuming he's going to come back into the side. Uh, we've now got a, a goal scoring left back in Charlie Taylor. Um, so um, you know, like <laughs> London buses like hope, London buses Hopefully, there'll be three goals coming at once from him. So who, who knows? It's, uh, it's 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 potluck, isn't it? We're not we're not going to know until two o'clock tomorrow who the side's going to be. But all we can hope is that those players go out there and get us a positive result against a team who. As as you say, we we need to be winning this sort of with uh, this sort of match against teams who are not going to be probably in the in the top eight.
1: They won't be in the top ten. I don't think Palace will be. No. I think there's too many strong sides there. Um, Dave, you're far too professional for for us. When you said there, we find out tomorrow at two o'clock. I was like, why are we getting the team news on a Friday? Of course, we're a pre record and Dave is. <laughs> Dave's out there making our listeners believe it's Friday night. No, I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan. Um, Give me a score prediction, please, Dave.
3: (laughs) Um, I'm going Uh to be more positive and go for a 1 1 draw.
1: That's not positive. That's what you always used to say when you thought we were getting beat. You always used to say 1 1. You thought we'd get beat. Oh, my goodness, me. Tom, give me a
2: score prediction, please. My positive prediction was going to be uh, lose three one instead of three 0 for a change. No, I'm joking. What are you, two I, like? you can't, you can't. I, I always go. We always do a little prediction before a match, and I never predict predicted to get beat. What's the point of that? So I'll say we'll win two one.
1: I'm going to say we're going to win three one. I'm going to take the reverse of that. I think this will be the team that this will be the game that clicks, and we're going to have the season starts here. There you are, uh, Dave. Why don't you finish off the preview show segment, please, while our listeners have your miscellaneous stat of the week.
3: Uh, Yeah, although it wasn't enough to get us any points last weekend, Charlie Taylor's goal at Bournemouth was his first for the Clarets in his seventh season at the club in what was his 198th Burnley appearance in all competitions. It was only the fourth goal of his career to date and he hadn't scored since finding the net in an away match for Leeds United at Milton Keynes way back in September 2015.
1: Mm, good stuff. Um, Right, that's all we've got time for. I'm going to leave our listeners with some housekeeping before we go, but while I've got you three on, Dave, do you want to give the answers to our quiz question, please?
3: Uh, yeah, in addition to Wayne Routledge and Sean Derry, who were sent off at Turf Moor in August 2003, they were the ones we mentioned in our "Want to Forget match, the other Crystal Palace player to see red in this fixture was Wilfred Zahar. That was in a 1-1 draw yeah. in March 2012.
1: Good stuff. Um. FPL managers, there's no Friday night Premier League game this week, so you have until 11am on Saturday morning ahead of the Fulham United game to finish tinkering with your team. I see what you did there, Dave. Um, And get those substitutions and captains in. That is all we have time for. This could be the weekend, listeners, where the Clarets click, Vincent Company stops tinkering and we get some points on the board. A really, really important game at Turf Moor this weekend. Let's not Underestimate that at all. The Clarets have an opportunity to get a much-needed win on the board. If you're heading down to Turf Moor with flag or son flag, just make some noise. Let's try and stay behind them as long as we can. Let's try not let our frustrations get the better of us. Let's see if we can create an atmosphere that the our young clarets can try and find themselves a little bit of confidence in. Uh, We'll be back on Tuesday with the the analysis show, looking back at that game and uh, chewing the fat over what is hopefully three points. Um, And we hopefully, maybe we'll see Tom loving Vincent Company for the rest of the season. Who knows? And in the previous show, we'll be back next week, looking ahead to our next game of this Premier League season. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting knownynever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, Talk Sport. We are proud to be associated with the Talk Sport Fan Network.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.